Welcome to Passports and Pizza, a podcast about everything by two carb-loving, carry-on-only gals. I'm Laura, a teacher and traveler with an appetite for adventure. And I'm Sarah, an artist and food blogger who travels mainly for the food. Join us as we dive into anything and everything that's on our plates and on our minds. All right. Boom. <laughs> so We're joining you virtually today. <laughs> yeah. We're zooming it in. Which we don't normally do, but hey. Yeah. Sometimes it just works out that way, and it's nice yeah. that we have this option. It is. Now, yeah. we have something to say before we get into Salty Sweets, which is two years. Yeah. Two so years. When this episode comes out, our podcast will have been out for two years. Can Isn't you even weird? believe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just remember the day when, like, we were, I don't know what we were doing. I just remember, like, chatting and just being like, well, like, should we podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I know we had, like, thrown it around for a while, but then I guess there was just one day where we just talked about it more seriously, and we're like, well, yeah, I would do it. And you're like, I'm like yeah, I, would, I would do I would it. Do would it. you do it? <laughs> yeah. And we're like, it would have to be every other week, because we're not insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is what works, and, like, let's just do it. I, I had the gear. Yeah. You had all the podcast love and history, so right. why not? Which, honestly, I'd be interested to hear from our listeners, but I feel like having the show come out every other week is the right amount. Because, like, as someone who loves podcasts, like, I am overwhelmed, and especially these ones that have, like, two to three episodes a week, it's like, I don't have time. And I listen to podcasts more than, like, anybody. Yeah, you do. And I... I, I now have a shorter commute, and I used to rely on a scheduled commute time yeah. to listen to a podcast, and then if you're falling behind, it feels like FOMO mm-hmm. in a way, because you're like, what are they talking about? What it's like homework. You got to get caught up. I know. It's hard. So, yeah. Do you guys like the every other week thing? I think it's fun. Yeah. I think it's good. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a good amount for people. Have we like- changed in the last two years, do you think? Have we changed? Yeah, our hair's changed. We don't even look like our photos on yeah, the website. We don't. Yeah, we need new photos. Although I love those original photos. Oh, um, good. Yeah, two years. I feel like we had our one year kind of like come and go. Well, oh, we weren't yeah, podcasting it, last year. We weren't year. podcasting. This was because in this was peak uh, quarantine this meltdown. Is when the world ended last yeah. year, so we didn't get yeah. to celebrate. Woo! I'd give you a cheers, but I don't have any champagne. But yeah. Cheers. <laughs> well, happy two years, and thank you to all of our listeners for supporting us. And for yeah. those who are new, we hope to have at least another two. Yeah, I hope. But podcasting has been a really nice way for us to not only just, like, stay up to date, but also talk about fun things. It's always something I look forward to, so. Yeah. I don't know. I hope it's, I feel that, I hope that feels the same for our listeners, so. Well, should we get into Salty Sweets? Yes. Do you want to start? Sure, I can start. My Salty is that divorce sucks, Uh, which is not surprising. Um, It's kind of surprising how much it still sucks, even though I'm going through one of the most amicable and friendly divorces like you could possibly ever have. But it's just... 
it's um it's a lot of like decision making and paperwork and it, and all of it is emotionally charged. It's like all mm-hmm. of the annoying adult kind of things you have to think about, but you have to think about it all at the same time when you're going through this emotional turmoil. And it's like the whole thing with the house. Um, that's kind of like the biggest thing that like <laughs> the only asset we have to like split up in some fashion and deciding how to handle that. And, um, since I'm the one keeping the house and staying in it, I like essentially have to apply for a mortgage all over again. And it costs way more money to do that than makes any sense. Like, I don't understand what I'm paying for (laughs) when I do that. So maybe someone should explain that to me. That is insane. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it's just a lot and it's overwhelming. And I'm sorry. It just sucks. So my heart goes out to anybody who's had to do this with um, a partner that they're not on good terms with. (laughs) Because even though Robert and I are still like best friends, like it's still really hard in a lot of ways, just like probably different ways than other people have to deal with. But. But yeah, so that sucks. Um, I'm sorry. That really does suck. Yeah. Um, But then my suite is that Robert just visited recently. And it was the first time we had seen each other in like four months in person. And so that was just really nice. Like, um, even though he and I still talk all the time, it was nice to have this time in person together to really catch up with one another and just like have him around the house for a few days. So, yeah. yeah, So that was nice. Plus it's like, I don't really have visitors because COVID and whatnot. (laughs) Well, Robert's a gem of a person. So, right. (laughs) And you guys got to come over and hang out. So that was nice. My, my quarantine pod, but, um, our small but mighty pod. <laughs> Usually I'm just third wheeling with you and Luke, but this time Robert got to hang out with us. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun to hang out again. Yeah. So, yeah, divorce sucks, but my soon-to-be ex-husband came to visit, and that was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, man, that is like... So topsy-turvy, but man, it just makes sense if you know you too, so. Right. If you know, you know. (laughs) If you know, you know. (laughs) Okay, well, my salty and sweet are definitely not as heavy. Mine are kind of, like, silly, so I'll get into it. Cool. Well, I'll start by saying I was not picked for jury duty, so if anyone was on the edge of their seat, (laughs) I'm sorry to disappoint. That's not my salty, though. Um, My salty is that I feel like for a long time I've been coping with I don't want to say it's body dysmorphia, but I had a lot of, I really had a low point in looking at my own figure for the past like five years and I have no explanation for it. But I realized this past year that, and I think it has to do with TikTok. Yeah. (laughs) Just because I'm seeing, just because I'm seeing so many more bodies that Mm -hmm. are like of all ranges and sizes. And I'm realizing that so many women are shaped like me and they look hot in a bathing suit and they look so Mm -hmm. good in like 
things that are super trendy. And I guess I just wasn't used to seeing that for the last couple years on Instagram or what, whatever. The truth is that like, I realized that for the last five or so years, I've really struggled with my body image and I can't even put my finger on why per se. But one thing that's really upset me is that I've realized in looking back at some of our old travel photos that I, I just never wanted to be in photos because I mm. felt so insecure about how I look. Mm. And I was trying to imagine a world where like I am showing this to like a child or showing this to like, you know, or like someone's flipping through old family albums and there's no photos of me anywhere. It's just photos I've taken. And it's because I had this trigger in my brain that like I didn't look good or mm-hmm. my body didn't look the way I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I feel like I've been doing a lot of unpacking with um, my body image and perhaps a little bit of body dysmorphia. And mm-hmm. I had a, I had a moment, <laughs> I don't go shopping like at all during the pandemic, but I stopped at uh, Nordstrom Rack and I just, and it's one of the only places where their dressing rooms are open. Oh. But I was able to like try on a shirt and I just realized I was like, this doesn't look good on me because this this cut sucks. <laughs> it's not me. Yeah. And I, and I started to do this thing in my brain where I started to say, like, it's not me. It's this clothing brand. Like, mm-hmm. it's the way that this is cut. And, like, this this is horribly made. You know, whatever. Yeah. So I feel like I'm glad that I'm, I'm making this turning point. But it makes me really sad because I think I wasted a lot of my years feeling bad about myself for no reason. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm about to turn 30, I am just, like... I'm just, I'm just ready to like and wear whatever I want to wear and just be in the photos, period. Yeah. So if anyone else has gone through like some body image issues, which I feel like most women. Dude, I feel we, you. We all have. percent. Like yes. same for me to the last like five to seven years. I have felt the same way. And especially like right now, I'm like not feeling good about myself. Yeah. And And it sucks, but I agree. TikTok is so great where you do see so many women who have like normal bodies, like everyday And they look so good, so beautiful. And they're also saying that they look hot. They're like, yes, look at me. I look amazing and like showing off their outfit. And you're like, yes, girl, you do look amazing. But then why is it when we look in the mirror at ourselves, we're like, Oh, I don't like how that one thing looks and how this one Or God shape forbid, is. God forbid if you turn one angle and it doesn't look the way you want it to because it's not yeah. how an Instagram model looks. I just, yeah. I think I'm really unpacking a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, in, and I think I've dealt with it quietly and silently because I feel like I always want to project that I'm very confident and I'm very outgoing, but. Mm-hmm. Internally, it's been something that's been really, really messing with my brain, and I'm ready to stop. So, well, tell me. I don't know when you figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I would say one of the biggest things is finding, especially women of different shapes and sizes, and Mm -hmm. making that a part of your social media feeds was a big Mm -hmm. thing. Like body confidence, it does help. Um, and I think, too, just, like, for me, I started – I don't know if it's, this is, like, just something I did in one ex- incident. I'm sure it's not an end-all, be-all fix. I just stopped thinking it was my body's fault, and I started thinking, like, no, this clothing line just sucks. Like, they don't they don't 
care about women's bodies. I don't know. I started blaming the clothes. I think that's a good step. Yeah. Yeah. I know all of us have felt that way. And then I'm sure we have all looked back at photos of ourselves from a few years ago or whatever, when at that moment we were thinking we looked terrible. And you look at that photo now and you're like, what were you worried about? Yeah. And it's just like, I thought I was hideous. And now I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And if we don't fix this now, we are going to do this to ourselves for the rest of our lives. I know. It's true. And it's tragic. It is. It is totally tragic. Like, we are all beautiful. And that that is so freaking corny. I do think we've happily found ourselves a very good community on on TikTok. So maybe I need to do the same on my other social media feeds. I don't know. But um, that's my salty. I will shout out. I think I've sent you some of hers. But this woman who's like a quote-unquote plus-size model. But she does these realistic home trials. Oh, I love her. I will find her. I'll link to her profile on TikTok in our show notes. You guys need to watch I her. I love her. Because she she try, she does try-on hauls from like Anthropology Forever 21. And sometimes she's calling out the brand to be like, this is insane. And other times yeah. <laughs> she's like, this brand has actually has stuff that fits my body. And... She looks great, and she knows when she looks great, but she's yeah. also, like, kind of what you're saying, like, there's nothing wrong with me, but this it's, item of clothing doesn't fit me, yes. even though it should be my size, but it, yeah. it's not actually my size, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So she, I love I her. I love her so much. She's great. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to tag a couple, because I have, I have a few more I could also suggest. So we'll, we'll put it in the show notes if anyone wants to add these ladies in their feed. Yeah. My sweet is that I got my first capital purchase, capital app purchase. I saved oh. and, and reached a goal. Awesome. So if everyone's unfamiliar with capital, it's an app that helps you, like, stow away little, um, you know, you can round up a purchase. You can have a certain amount of money put away every every week, or you could have goals or... There's like indulgence things that stows away, but you barely notice it because it's like a dollar here, a dollar there, whatever. So I finally reached my goal and I got a DJI Osmo Pocket, which is very um, gear heady of me to say, but it is essentially a little gimbal uh, video camera. It also does photos, but it's mostly meant for video. Okay. Um, and gimbal, if you don't know what a gimbal is, it like makes it really smooth and buttery whenever you're like filming something. And it's okay. literally the size of like almost almost the height of a iPhone, but just like a stick kind of. Okay. Um and it's really smooth and really, really like slick to move. And as I've been filming some more stuff for um the recipes I'm making, um, it's made it a lot easier to film things. So That's I've nice. been really loving it and it felt like I got it for free. So yeah. isn't <laughs> yeah. that great? I love it. Like once you start using capital to save for things, it really oh, is addicting. Great. And then and then it is great because when you buy the thing that you're like splurging on, you're like, I already saved the money for it. Here it is. Yeah. I'm good yeah. to go. Yeah. yeah. Like, I am right there with who, you. Who knew that saving for things could, could be fun? <laughs> yeah. And feel yeah, so, so good. <laughs> not a recommendation yet because we have recommendations later, later, but Capital App is like rocking my world. So yeah. I'm so happy to have this little thing. So I'm I'm going to like be using it for travels because it's so mm-hmm. small and portable. Yeah. And 
I don't, yeah, like I, I considered doing more video in the past, but I always ended up using my phone, but I feel like this is something that's so easy and small. Like I just throw it in my purse and be like, oh, I could get some more with this and it won't be as shaky or whatever. So yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm cool. like so happy I got it. So go capital up. Nice. All right. Well, for the meat of today's episode. Yeah. We're talking to <laughs> my food blogging friend. Betty Lou, who just released her cookbook called My Shanghai, which is beautiful. You guys got to get it. So we have a great conversation with her that we recorded the other day. And, love her. Uh, you guys are going to love it. And if you're anything like us and you love travel and you love food, you're going to love this book. Absolutely. So Enjoy. Betty Liu is a Chinese-American home cook whose writing, photography, and recipes have been featured on sites such as Bon Appetit and Sever, as well as her own award-winning blog, BettySLu.com. She has just released her first cookbook titled My Shanghai, Recipes and Stories from a City on the Water. In addition to all that, she also manages to find time to be a doctor training to be a surgeon... I mean, what? <laughs> and she happens to be one of my favorite photographers working in the food scene. Betty, welcome to Passports and Pizza. Hello there. Thank hey. you so much for having me. <laughs> we <laughs> love Betty. <laughs> yeah, we're fangirls over here. Yeah. Um, yeah, speaking, before we get into it, I know that Sarah's been gaga over your photography style for a long time. Um, so... Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll get into that later, but surgeon by day, <laughs> food photographer, blogger, and author by night, like mm-hmm. superwoman for and, real. And you did wedding photography for a while. Yeah, husband, I did. Right? <laughs> yeah. What don't you do, Betty? <laughs> <laughs> so many things. One could say I'm, I was very fickle at some times. <laughs> Well, why don't we start with like, just give us some background on how you even ended up in the food blogging scene and got to this point where you are now as like a doctor training to be a surgeon who also just published a cookbook. Like, how, <laughs> how does this happen? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I'll have to take you kind of back to when I first left home um, from California to college, um, because that was really the pivotal moment when I realized that I wanted to learn how to cook and I wanted to cook the food that I grew up with. Um, and you know, that really just started as a hobby. Um, I was just learning for myself, observing my mom, thinking about how I could cook Chinese food by myself. Um, and this all actually started with wedding photography. Um, when I started to get into photography, I was first a wedding photographer and my husband Mm -hmm. and I really loved it. We had a small business together. Um, so when I started to, you know, transfer those skills towards food photography, I realized that I really loved photographing food. Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time I had started my blog the, all the experiments I did in the kitchen, especially when I wanted to document some of the recipes I was making, um, recipes that I learned from my mom. I, I really just wanted a space where I could put down my thoughts on the recipe 
and my measurements and steps because my mom never gave me any measurements、mm-hmm. or any step by steps. So I wanted at least somewhere where I could look back and refer to it、um, when I wanted to recreate a recipe. So that's kind of how that started. And then I started becoming more interested in the food photography, putting it on my blog, and then it just kind of snowballed from there.、Um, <laughs> So with the photography, since that's kind of where this all began, are you and your husband self-taught, or like, is your husband actually a photographer, like as his job, or how did that come into play for the two of you? Yeah, we were mostly self-taught.、Um, we did attend a couple of wedding photography workshops,、um, and those were really awesome,、um, really great community. But for the most part, we were self-taught. Um, Alex is actually also a surgical resident,、um, so <laughs> so you know the bulk of our business was during you know end of college and med school.、Um, that's when we had the most time to actually run the business.、Um, mm-hmm. It's our wedding photography business is no longer active.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys still have a website up for that? Because your weddings, we do. I mean, your photos are gorgeous, so we can definitely send yeah, people there to check them out. <laughs> I love your wedding photography too. Oh,、That's、thank、awesome. you so much. It was really fun. I I really loved photographing people and events. Like it's it's a happy day.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so your、uh, Sarah mentioned your cookbook that's been released.、Um, we actually cooked your scallion pancakes from it to prepare、oh. for the interview. <laughs>、um, but it would be. I think a lot of listeners are probably curious if they haven't picked up your book before. What's your relationship to Shanghai? Um, and can you give our listeners、um, just a just a sense of what Shanghai is known for,、um, what makes it unique in terms of、um, you know as a city and regional cooking? Sure.、Um, so my whole family is from Shanghai. My mom and dad were born there, grew up there. I was born here,、um, but I basically spent a summer every year growing up in Shanghai.、Um, we would. Basically, spend the summer there. Spend other vacations there because most of our extended family is still in Shanghai.、Hmm. Um, so, it going back, it feels like a second home to me. And then when back when I was in architecture, before I made my career change, I did a couple of internships、um, in Shanghai. So, it's a pretty it's a pretty special place. I think what makes it really unique. It's obviously a huge metropolitan city. Um, it's also situated right on the coast,、um, so it's a port city, and as such, you get a lot of people kind of going through there. There's been a lot of like influences in terms of the cuisine, but throughout all the changes, all the you know the flow of people coming in and out of the city, there's the Shanghainese cuisine has kind of remained like this.、Um, just been a, like a loyal base of you know Shanghainese people cooking Shanghainese food.、Um, The geography of Shanghai is really important to the cuisine. So I'm just going to back up.、Um, <laughs> most people the, think of Shanghainese cuisine as really sweet, and a lot of Chinese people will label <laughs> Shanghainese cuisine as sweet. I was、um, very excited when I read that in your book. I like, <laughs> I've, I've heard like that、this. too. Yeah, yeah right. That's, that's so your alley, Sarah. <laughs> and it's not very spicy either, which is also great for me. Like、um, this is the best like Chinese cooking cookbook I could have picked up. <laughs> Um, I like to think that you know, sweet, sweet is like oversimplifying、um, the the cuisine. 
it's more about balance, and、mm-hmm. it's more about highlighting the ingredients. Because、um, Shanghai, it's situated like right along one of the biggest, longest rivers in China, which is called Changjiang, and the English name for it is the Yangtze River.、Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a lot of tributaries. So if you think of like. A spider web of rivers and streams, kind of crisscrossing through the region, and that provides like real, a really rich agricultural base. So there's like the region is is really vibrant with like produce, vegetables, aquatic like root products, and、um, lots of like fish and seafood and like freshwater aquatic proteins.、Uh, so it's it's there's just so much abundance from the land that the cuisine is really focused on that versus like. You know, we all know Sichuan for its bold, spicy flavors. Yunnan has this like heat. Cantonese, you know, cuisine is like very herby and like has like rich stews. But Shanghainese cuisine is more about balance and vibrance and really kind of highlighting its the the natural flavors of the ingredients. If that makes sense. Yeah, I that, was,、um, that just makes me want to go back <laughs> so badly to Shanghai. <laughs> You've no idea. Yeah, Lars,、oh, me too.、There. I definitely have not been there.、Um, not <laughs> not been yet. That far from home yet. <laughs>、um, but I was going to say I am terrible at geography. And reading your book and you were describing region and stuff, I was like, okay, my brain needs to see this on a map. So、yeah. <laughs> I pulled it up on Google Maps last night when I was、yeah. looking it over, and I was like, what are all these red lines <laughs> going through it? <laughs> And then I realized it's like all the little like streams and like tributaries that you're talking about that like just go through the city. So is it like does it almost feel like Venice or something? Yes. So the the main city it's pretty you know it's it's a city but there's rivers like and when you go a little bit outside the city there are actually water towns、yeah. um, that really remind、Suzhou. me. Yeah, exactly. Sucho is like sometimes、yeah. even called like the Venice of the East. I don't know、oh, if、cool. you um if you've seen Mission Impossible. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's I forget which one, but one of the what here? Let me look it up. But one of them, like he's like running through one of the water towns. I think it's it's like Zhou Zhuang and yeah. Yes, now we got Mission Impossible three. <laughs> And like, there's a scene in there. It's actually Shitang. It's like, yeah, it's it's a it's a water town like outside of Shanghai. And there's a scene of him like running through <laughs> through the town, and like you can see like all the bridges, and it's like it's very scenic. And I've I've been to that town. It's funny because like they have all these like like posters of Mission Impossible. And, like, <laughs> This is where Tom Cruise was. <laughs>、uh-huh. They're very、oh, proud of、man. it. <laughs> yeah, I can see him like already imagining my head, like him like bounding over like these little yeah, rivers、exactly. and canals, like <laughs>、yeah. one leap and he's over there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Well, then,、um, what you're saying about how Shanghainese cooking is more focused on, you know, what the land offers as opposed to like. I guess what you're saying, like maybe more specific flavors or something from other regions, makes so much sense now that you organized the book by season.、Mm-hmm. So, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you know that was one of the first decisions I made about the book.、Um, when I was thinking about how to organize it, 
I knew I wanted to do it by season because that's just so integral to how we eat. And it's not like a new, it's, it's never been like a new trendy thing for how people eat at home. Um, like, like Chinese people eat at home. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was in China, my family would wake up pretty early and head to the local market every single day. And I know it's hard to do just because like different markets, different circumstances in America. But in China, like the local markets open every day. People come in with fresh produce every single day. And it's very much like a normal part of the day to go and buy like a small batch of vegetables or produce to cook just for that day. Mm-hmm. So everything was like the freshest possible because it was bought that day. Um, so I, I wanted to organize it by season because that's how I would think about even approaching what to cook. And when I told my dad about it, he kind of gave me a look and was like, well, how else would you organize it? <laughs> it's like, well, duh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's not a brilliant idea. <laughs> right. That's awesome, though. That makes yeah. so much sense. Since um, we're talking about the cookbook, could you tell us, um, we have a lot of, like, cookbook fanatics, um, both ourselves yeah. and our <laughs> listeners. Yeah. So um, what what was the process like in creating the cookbook? Did you, um, did you go back and forth to Shanghai um, knowing that this was the big project in the back of your mind? I'm assuming pre-COVID. Um, yeah. And yeah. did you... <laughs> <laughs> what a world we live in now. I know. Um, and, <laughs> and like, how did you, how did you sort of recipe test and f- do all the photography? What was, yeah, just walk us through the process of how this all came together. We'd love to know. Yeah. So I've been kind of mulling on this for, for years. And I think I started writing the proposal about three years ago, or maybe it was four years ago at this point, but it was something that I always knew I wanted to do because, you know, in, in the Chinese cookbook scene, there's also just not been that many cookbooks by Chinese people. A lot of them mm. are written by, you know, like very, very academic books, um, like good books, scholarly, but written by people who are not from, do not have history with the area. So inevitably they're viewing it from an outsider's perspective. So I knew that there was a gap in the market and I really wanted to to share my story. So I was working on this about four years ago. I worked on the proposal for about a year and I had a really great agent who really worked with me to shape my vision and edit the proposal for me so that it was almost like a mini book when we sent, I think it was like 40 pages long. Um, and so after that, whenever I went back to China, I kind of knew that well, I was hoping that it would, you know, be bought and sold and I, you know, kind of kept my eye out for research and, you know, taking pictures of the area because I wanted it to be really, I wanted it to be almost transportive um, to provide context to Shanghainese cuisine by giving a lot of photos in the book about the region. Um, And it is. Yeah, good. It is. It is so stunning. Some of the some of the street photography completely transported me back to when I visited China. I mean, the street food section alone, I was like, yes, I (laughs) absolutely. So I'm sorry to interrupt, but you've done it. Yeah, absolutely. And as someone who's never been there, I really do feel like when I'm holding your book and looking through it, that I am traveling. Like it really does take me to a new place. And like, this is not 
this is not Chinese American food, like what I order from the place down the street. Like this is <laughs> regional cuisine that I'm not familiar with that I'm learning so much about by looking at this book. So you did a great oh, job. With like with like slices of life of, you know, Shanghai's Shanghainese people. Like I think it, it's just beautifully done, buddy. Anyway. Oh sorry thank you. to interrupt you. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um yeah, so I, I made sure to go back once every season, like at least every season for my book trips back, um, just to showcase that atmosphere. Uh, and also like, yeah, so, um, and then uh, the bulk of the recipe testing, I coming up with a recipe list was very easy for me. I actually overshot and I had to cut about 50 recipes from the book. Oh my gosh. Because we just like, because yeah, I just had like too much. And like I, I my writing style, I tend to ramble on. So like my head notes were just like too much, and I, I had to cut a lot of stuff. Um, but I had to cut so many recipes. Um, so I think the struggle was narrowing it down to what I thought like should be included and what I could like cut out. Um, so the bulk of the recipe testing, though, I did here in Boston. Um, I did hire a professional recipe tester because um, that was really important to me, um, especially since one of my goals for this book was to kind of break down the barrier of the perception that Chinese food is really difficult to cook at home. I wanted it. I wanted to show that it's approachable, that it's more forgiving than people think. Like if you don't have a certain ingredient, it's totally okay. And a lot of times can be substituted with pantry items. Um, people ask me like, what are the the most basic pantry items you should have. And it's, it's just like four things. It's light soy sauce, dark soy sauce, black vinegar. And, um, oh, and like some like sugar, like, and that's it. Oh, and cooking wine. Those are the four, not sugar. Everyone has sugar. So cooking wine. So those, those are, <laughs> those are the four that like, if you have those, you can cook any, like almost anything in my book. Hmm. Yeah. So that's cool. You do mention rock sugar. And a yeah. lot of recipes. Yeah. What's like, um, like, is that similar to like raw sugar or like, what would you substitute in you like could a just, standard pantry? Mm -hmm. You could substitute raw sugar with that. Or okay. like, if you don't have that, you could just do granulated sugar. It, the, okay. the rock sugar, it adds like, it's, it, it's almost a little thicker when it cooks down. So it adds mm -hmm. kind of to the like, kind of like a molasses quality. Um, mm. and it adds to like the, the caramely tones. Mm -hmm. Um, but if, if you don't have it, it is totally fine to substitute granulated sugar. It's okay. subtle differences. Yeah. So, th but the rock sugar is more something you would find in like a more specific Asian supermarket or something. I think so. I don't think I've seen it in, um, non-Asian grocery stores. Okay. Yeah. But you could probably sure find Amazon. it on Amazon or something. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so if someone who's new to Chinese cooking, to Shanghainese cooking, picks up your book, what would be a recipe that you would sort of send their way if they were sort of new to it, but want to yeah. try something that's very, you know, quintessential or yes. Im important in your opinion? Yes. Um, scallion oil noodles. So mm. it's, yeah, <laughs> the ingredients are very easy to find. Like, um, you have your soy sauces, you have sugar, and you can use normal sugar for this. Um, and then scallions. Um, 
you can you also the recipe does call for dried shrimp but a lot of times i would even omit that so like you don't even need to use that um so i that is my i guess i what i would recommend as a gateway um dish to make because it's like it's such a classic Shanghainese dish and it really emphasizes the importance of ingredient because the whole premise of the recipe is that you slowly toast scallion in oil for like 20-30 minutes and that really draws out the flavor and creates this really like toasty smoky oil it transforms the mm. taste of scallion but it's completely all the scallion flavor mm-hmm. and you can use it for anything like i would i would actually make like larger quantities of scallion oil and like put it in a jar and save it for anything like it's, it just holds so much flavor but mm-hmm. then that plus like you know soy sauce and sugar all like cooked and the flavors meld together and tossed with noodles it's just like perfection that sounds great i did notice that recipe and like it's so easy you know and so such a short ingredient list and i think you even say in the the book like use like whatever noodles you want you know yeah (laughs) um red braising is seems to be like a very classic way of cooking can you talk to us about that yeah so red braising it it refers to basically cooking some sort of protein with light dark soy sauce um and sugar cooking wine and aromatics and just those simple ingredients it basically cooks down to this like thick like gleaming sauce and it's it's very classic of shanghainese cooking you can you can the red basically comes from the color that the protein takes on with when the soy sauces and everything cook down um and it's a it's very classic it's actually one of the dishes that shanghai cuisine is like more known for like red braised pork belly is like mm-hmm. it's like very famous um and but you could do it with any protein like i've done it with like radishes um you can do it with fish um, and the beauty of this cooking method is that depending on what protein you cook in it it, it kind of changes the flavor of the dish um mm. So would highly recommend. It does take a, a little bit of time with the pork belly. Um, you have to first, you know, caramelize it in like melted sugar and oil. And then and then you cook it down. But it's nice. one of my it favorite sounds, dishes. Yeah. So sounds really um, good. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Um before we get into the travel-y side of Shanghai, because I have lots of questions, um, what would you say is a sleeper hit in the book? So maybe something that isn't initially like recognizable for someone who's new to Shanghainese cooking, but um, something you're like, you, you know, don't sleep on this. This is, this is something that is delicious, and maybe you're afraid people will overlook, but they should definitely try. Okay. That's a great question. <laughs> Um, I want to know so I can make it. <laughs> I, so it's actually quite a simple dish, but it's like one of my favorites, and I make it all the time. It's um soy pickled radish. Oh, yeah, it's in the autumn section, and you basically just like you pickle um, daikon radish, and in like a, a brine of like soy sauce and vinegar and sugar, and it's so good. Mm. And what would you up. what would you have that with? You could have that. I, honestly, I have it with like any meal, um, but it's also great with like congee. 
Um, yes, that. Oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they look so oh, cool. Oh, it's pretty. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. They're so thin. You can, That's like, actually one of my them. favorite photos of, of my book. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Love it. I also wanted to ask you... Uh, there are Chinese characters in the book. Yes. Is that, mm-hmm. is that Mandarin? Yeah. So, so I guess, yes and no. So you have the Chinese characters, which are just like Chinese. It's, um, it is simplified Chinese. So like mainland China will usually use simplified Chinese characters. And like, for example, in Taiwan, they use like com- complicated, um, Chinese characters. Okay. And, um, so that's like you know kind of universal um but the 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 pinging that's next to it that if you see like the the pinging next to it mm-hmm. that's mandarin so okay. that's how you would say it in mm. mandarin so if you like actually a good example is um do you guys know Mr. Ju's cookbook no no Okay, so it's a, a Mr. Ju's a, a restaurant in um, San Francisco, and he he actually just released his cookbook too. Oh, cool! And oh, cool. Uh, but his background is in like, um, is like more in like Cantonese. So, so his he has Chinese characters, but his like, um, pinging is in Cantonese. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, do you speak Mandarin? Yes. Okay. It did yeah. like did you did you grow up speaking that at home? Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. What does your family think about you becoming this like incredible cook? <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're very proud, um, and you know they, they have to be yeah. right. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny because they um, they're very proud. They they know I've been doing this obviously, and they're excited about it. And I definitely have opinions about it. Um, but when I <laughs> sent them, because they've only seen like PDFs and stuff online, um, that I send them pictures and stuff. So when I actually sent them the the book, like a you know one of the advanced copies, um, mm-hmm. my, uh, my parents texted me and they're like, "Wow, like this is this is so much better than I thought." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, "Thanks, honey." I was like, "Yeah, it's a real book." <laughs> it's so got to be kind of amazing for them because you know. I feel like because you've had such a strong relationship with Shanghai visiting so often um, in the summers and then, you know, making it your second job, if not your primary job, in addition to being in med school, like it's a big accomplishment. I can only imagine, <laughs> you, you know, like, you know, I, I just think that's incredible. <laughs> okay. I want to nerd out on travel Shanghai stuff and foodie stuff. So, okay. um, right. take it away. So Laura. it's been a bit. Okay. I, um, I know, it's not from Shanghai necessarily. I don't. I don't know the origins specifically, but mm. I have a serious passion for Zhao Long Bao, mm, and yeah. um, I want to know how do you feel about them, and also <laughs> where where are the best in Shanghai? Wait, also for people like me, what is it? <laughs> it's a soup dumpling. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Soup, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's soup dumplings, Xiao Long Bao, and they're basically like little um like dumplings that's filled with like meat but more importantly the soup part um and when you bite into like it's so fresh and when you bite into it like you get a mouthful of like juice like like stock basically like delicious broth yeah yes. and it's so good um so my my feelings about it are they're delicious um <laughs> 
I know. I, you know, I, I included them in my book, not because it's something that, you know, like people make at home a lot, but just because I couldn't not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Does that make sense? Exactly. I was like, I, I just have to. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's definitely a, a long process to make at home. So if you're in sh- like Shanghai, the, I don't actually have like a, a favorite place to go. Um, I, I just like try to wander the streets and like if I see somewhere, um, I would try it, but I haven't really developed a favorite. However, I will say, and you know, this might be controversial is oh, oh, when I, I'm I know ready. when I go to Suzhou, I actually think the Xiaolongbao in Suzhou is better. <gasps> Yeah. <laughs> What's crazy is I've actually been there, number one. Yeah. But wow. Okay, so what, what makes it better? So there, there are subtle differences. Like, I think the, the Shanghainese one is actually, they're smaller. Um, the ones at Suzhou, they're, they're a little bit bigger. So, like, they have more juice. The skin's a little bit thicker. Um, and Sarah, people can get very snobby about Xiaolongbao. They're like, it has to be like <laughs> yeah, this thickness. True. It can has, have to have like this color. Like, I personally think that's ridiculous. How many like, pleats? Exactly. All that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that's ridiculous. Like, just do it based on, like, like taste and texture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So, <laughs> so I actually find that the ones they make in Sucho, like, they just really hit the spot for the texture with the slightly thicker skin, the meat to, like, broth filling, um, and, like, so good. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to go back. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I think I've only had soup dumplings once. Lara still needs to take me to her favorite spot in Philly. What's it called yes. again, Lara? Um, Dim Sum Garden in Philadelphia. They're, they've sort of built a reputation around themselves now, but um, there are other competitors in Philadelphia, I'm sure, but it's, it's like a staple. It's, you know, I'll drive all the way to Philly just to have <laughs> their soup dumplings and like leave and go home. Like that's it. <laughs> But now, um, Laura, you and I have to make Betty's recipe from the book. I know. I know it's a project, too. Like yeah. you it said, project, it's not something, yeah. it's not like you can just whip that out, but yeah. I'm excited to try. Um, so going, going back to Shanghai, um, and, you know, obviously you've visited your entire life, um, but do you have a restaurant or street food market that you'd recommend in Shanghai for a traveler? Yeah, there's this great restaurant called Lao Tifang. Um, I don't remember specifically what street it's on, uh, but it's very accessible. It's like by public transportation. It's called Lao Tifang, and that translates to like the old place. And it serves very classic, like old Shanghai food. And it's it's kind of a local favorite. It's like family owned, and there's usually like a line out the door. So mm. would definitely recommend that. And then I actually, um, I'll send you guys a link, but I wrote a piece for Sever on like some little, some spots of where to find Shanghai, like breakfast street foods. Um, you oh, know, that right. was written a couple of years ago and things change so quickly in China that I like, it could, it could be out of date. Um, but usually those areas, if the, even if the vendors change, like the best breakfast marts are usually at the at intersections where there's a lot of foot traffic in the morning. So like those areas, and I'll send you the link to it. Like if you head in that direction, you'll probably find it. Yeah. So, well, Betty, is there anything else you would like people to know about the book or anything else you have coming up? And uh, where can they find you online and follow all your great photography and stuff? 
Yeah, so、um, I will occasionally update my blog, <laughs> which is bettyesler.com. I'm more active on Instagram,、um, which is blu07.、Um, I think the main thing I want people to know about my book is that there are so many regional cuisines in China. It's a huge country. And I think for many years, Chinese cuisine has been kind of fra- like framed as like a kind of one cuisine fits all. But there are just so many different cuisines, so much food, so many traditions. Um, and I'm excited to show people like a little peek at one region.、Mm-hmm. And the other thing I want people to kind of get from the book is that it is very forgiving. It's not as strict as people think Chinese food and Chinese cooking might be. And I want it to be less intimidating for people to cook at home because that's how so many people just eat at home. Awesome. Well, Thank you so much for talking to us and congratulations on the book. It's absolutely gorgeous. And I hope everyone who's interested in Shanghainese or Chinese cooking in general picks it up to try these recipes at home. Thank you so much for having me. And we're back. We're back <laughs> with a voicemail. We have a listener voicemail. We love a voicemail. So if you haven't given us a voicemail yet, give us a call. Yeah. Our also, number. We love our number is a- 717 964 0215. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> This voicemail is from listener Graylin, who is a loyal listener, but also a loyal voicemailer, which we love.、Yeah. So. Yeah, we love this. She came so, through again. Here we go. Let's take a listen. Hey, this is Graylin Porter.、Um, I've called before, but I just had to pause the pod and、uh, call in immediately. You're talking about Girl Scout cookies and the difference between Little Brownie Bakers and ABC Bakers.、Uh, I live right outside Louisville, Kentucky, and that is where Little Brownie Bakers is. And I worked、uh, full time for the Girl Scouts of Kentuckyana、um, se- several years ago. And,、uh, I was like in membership outreach and <clears throat> like had an office job. But anyway, the, the difference between the, the little brownie bakers and the ABC bakers is very, very pronounced. And little brownie bakers is the number one. Just so you know. Thanks. Love the pod. Bye. Wow. Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First of all, can, Kentuckyana? I know. I mean, I guess Kentucky and Indiana just joined forces for Girl Scouts. I but, love that. But when she said Kentuckyana, I was like,、um, excuse me? But also, <laughs> I kind of love that word. I wish Kentuckyana was an actual state. <laughs> I mean, we're Pennsylvania. So. True. Yeah. <laughs> Although that's not really a thing, but you yeah. Know. <laughs> Interesting. So, okay, Little Brownie Bakers, number one. That's what she I, says. And、yeah. Little Brownie Bakers is the kind that we had. Okay. Good to so, know. So, I've been loving all、out. the Girl Scout cookie content that's been sent our way, by the way. Like,、right. we've had many people be like, oh, look, it's a, this is how you make a homemade Samoa and、yeah. like stuff like that. Or, 
so, you know, people chiming in with their opinions. So I'm glad that we've really hit the nail on the head on this one. But I, yeah. I still really do. I believe, I believe you, Graylin, when you say that little Bronnie Bakers is the top. I just really want to do a side by side. Well, I have a surprise for you. What? <laughs> I mean, okay. if, if we were recording in person today, we could have done it. But <gasps> my coworker was telling me that she she and her husband ordered a ton of Girl Scout cookies and they got some from both bakers. Oh my And I was like God. If you can, can you please bring in two of each cookie like from the separate baker so we <gasps> can do a side by side. And so today she brought some in for me, but guess which ones they are? <laughs> The one, the, um, uh, the PB, um, sandwich one. Mm-mm. The no, s'mores. Oh. <laughs> I mean, so. maybe the other one would be better. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so the, those ones are, like, not quite the same as trying, like, Thin Mint side by side or something. Right, right, um, right. But it could still be fun. But I put them in my freezer because we're not going to record in person for, like, another yeah. week and a half. Um, yeah. So hopefully I remember to get them out, and hopefully the freezer doesn't make them weird. But future episode, we <laughs> hopefully will be doing a side-by-side of the infamous s'mores Oh, I'm cookies, so excited. Which we did have um, our one listener, Heather, mention that um, she prefers the s'mores cookie that we did not have. Okay, well, maybe this will be the one... Yeah, option that is better than Little Brownie Baker's. Who knows? Okay, I was fine see. with the Little Brownie Baker's s'mores. You were the one who hated Mm-mm. it. Something so. was off. No, <laughs> no. Well, thank you for calling, Graylin. Um, we shall see. <laughs> yeah, I love that she worked for them. That's so cool. Yeah, she's got the inside scoop. Yeah, yeah, inside brownies. Or Girl Scout knowledge. Yeah. Love it. It it runs deep. It does. Real deep. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Shall we get to recommendations? Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to go okay. first? Yes. Okay. I am so excited about my recommendation. Okay. So my recommendation is Pasta Social Club, which is a Instagram account, but also um, a website and pasta making uh, event slash class run by Meryl, um, Feinstein of Food 52. And she is their resident pasta maker. Mm-hmm. And she is a delight. I knew I wanted to make, uh, with me cooking my way through Italy, I knew I wanted to take at least one pasta making class just because, you know, you know, I got a pasta attachment. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. But, I wanted to see how a master would really do it. I took her stuffed pasta class and it was amazing. First of all, her dough ratios made the easiest, like springiest uh, pasta dough I've mm. ever made. That's nice. So yeah, so she's got that down pat. Um, she also was really kind in like troubleshooting things with with people, you know, like if their moisture was off or like something just wasn't working. She would help people one-on-one. Her filling that she used for the filled stuff, immaculate. Yeah, what was in the fillings that you made? So simple, very classic. It was ricotta, uh, parmigiano-reggiano, 
a little squeeze of lemon juice, salt and pepper. Oh. And it was fire. I thought you guys did two though. Or was it just the oh, one? Oh, so then later later that next week I made agnolotti with which has like a braised shallot filling. Anyway. Oh, um just so separate. Yeah, so I did that on my own. And that's also one of her recipes, and I would definitely recommend that as well. It's on her blog. Um, it's her stuffed agnolotti with braised shallot sauce or something like that. Really okay. good. Um, in fact, I think I might like it better than Allison Roman's shallot pasta. Oh. Well, you'd have to make the filling and then just put it on pasta as a sauce and see how that True. works. True. True. I'm sure it would be delicious. Then it out I'm, with well, some pasta cooking water. There you go. Boom. All yeah. I'm saying is that I loved this class. I think Meryl is really, really charming. She knows her stuff. And in addition to all of that, she is incredibly kind. And her pasta that she posts on Instagram is like mind-boggling cool. Like all I want to do is make stuff pasta now. <laughs> <Which> is, <laughs> I'm like obsessive about how to shape a perfect tortellini. That's cool. You know? <laughs> Yeah. So it's really fun and relaxing to just do that for like an hour or two. And I feel like I've learned a new skill. So if you need some uh, stuffed pasta, holla at your girl. Cool. Well, my recommendation I have talked about, but it has not been an official recommendation. And I wanted to get it on the record as an official straight. recommendation. And that is for the album Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. Oh, my, honey, my come dancing on. queen. Um, <laughs> this this is this is like canon in our friendship. <laughs> this is like the soundtrack of our summer, my summer yes. with you and Luke. <laughs> Just fixing our house from such like a grandma house to something else. Yeah. yeah this was like the soundtrack. We yeah. love Dua. Um but yeah, I just like in the last week, I've been listening to it a lot, as I do. And I realized that this album has been out for like a full year. And I still put it on constantly. And like, I just love it even more than I did six months ago. And I realized this is a desert album, desert island album for me. Like, Oh, wow. This is like top tier. Um I just love it. And I mean, hopefully everyone listening to this is fully acquainted with this album already. But if you are not, you need to put it on. Like anytime that I just want to like groove out, this is what I'm putting on. I love the like disco touches to every single song that's going on in this album. It's so good. So I as a girl raised on disco, it is everything (laughs) I want. But I have, like, bonus recommendations for extra credit for anybody who wants it. And that is to listen to the podcast episode of Switched On Pop, where they talk about her song, Don't Start Now. That was honestly kind of what, like, started my love affair with Dua and this album. Because that episode just made me have an even greater appreciation for the song, as as that podcast normally does for whatever they're talking about. And then the podcast Song Exploder, they have an episode, and he actually talks to Dua about the songwriting process for the song Levitating. And then the Song Exploder Netflix special, 
he has an episode with Dua talking about the song Love Again. And I watched that this weekend and I loved it. And then, of course, for even extra credit, <laughs> danced to her songs with the fitness marshal. Heck to the... Let me just say, <laughs> I am ready to rock yeah. on the song physical. <laughs> yeah. The moment that song plays in a club. Yeah. Lara is going to be out there on the dance floor. If you're inviting me to your wedding in the next year, <laughs> this is a must watch play. out. And if Watch it's Luke, it. you got to play the song Good in Bed. <laughs> yes. Because Luke, for some reason, latched onto that song, created like a whole Spotify playlist oh based off God. of that song. It what you guys so don't know funny. is Luke will attach himself to like one song and play it endlessly for like weeks upon end. And as a musical person, I think I learned songs relatively quickly. So I knew this song by the second play. Mm -hmm. I know the ins and outs, the inner workings of every moment of that song. And it's still good. It's still good. So, yeah, it is honestly great album overall. Great album. Also her Grammy award performance, that body. I know she's hot. Dude. She is hot. Between her, Harry Styles, and Taylor Swift performing, like... <sighs> Listen, Harry Styles, though. Oh, I my mean, God. Is anybody immune to his charms? No. Tell me. Not me. No, sir. No, no, no. Not me. He is Not charming. Me. Not anybody. All right, well... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Dua Lipa. Dula Peep. Okay, that's a that's a joke from another podcast. Never mind. Do La Peep? Yeah. Is that from Who What Where or whatever you what do you call it? Who Weekly. Who yeah. Weekly. <laughs> they always whenever they refer to her, they call her Do La Peep. Uh-huh. I like that. I don't know. That's cute. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway. Okay. Well. Thanks for joining. <laughs> what a fun time. As you know, we I always know. ask. Oh, did you want to say something? No, I was gonna say if you've stuck around for this long for two years. <laughs> True. We have power to you. We appreciate you listening yeah. to us ramble on about anything and everything. That's right. Mostly food, lots of pizza, and whiskey. Can't tra- can't travel right now, so. <laughs> no passports, but we'll get back to it. We'll get back to it. Yeah, we'll get back to it. We kind of traveled virtually in this episode to Shanghai. Yeah. So we that did. was fun. Hopefully we'll have more like that in the future. So there you go. Yeah. All right. So pitch it. What All do right. we want? We want you to. We want your subscription. Subscribe. We want you to leave a review. We want you to tell a friend. We want you to tell your mom. Um, I don't tell know. Tell your hairdresser. Yeah. Whoever. Yeah. Just let them know. And always, always, always. You- Feel free to DM us on Instagram at Passport Pizza Pod or be like Graylin and leave us a voicemail at 717-964-0215. Do it. Yep. And you can find our show notes with everything we talked about today and recommendations, all this Dua Lipa content, pasta content, body positivity content, TikTokers. We got it all at passportsandpizza.com. And if you want to follow us on our day-to-day lives, you can give us a follow at Sarah with no H underscore Cornelius underscore or Rome and Go Lightly. That's R-O-A-M and Go Lightly. And as always, a big thank you to Will Gingrich for our theme music. 
Catch you on the flippity flip. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you next time. Peace. Like women, I feel like I'm that TikTok where it's like, I just, I just feel that women, and then it just like just has ends. a woman walk by, and then it just ends. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I like that things oh. are like, can we all just agree that women, and then <laughs> yeah. that's it. It's just like, yeah. you know. I was get, done. Get a bucket and a mop. <laughs> get, wow. That could be And on take. that note. And on that note...